You're listening to the New Hope Church Podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in as today's talk comes from Jason Kemp. We've been in a series called Imago Day, where we are looking at the image of God, that we are created in the very image of God. And, but along the way, sin has entered in and has marred that image. It's, it's, uh, it's taken that fingerprint of God that, that was on our lives and smeared it and pushed it away. And yet, Jesus came into this world to die for our sin, to transform us back into the image of God. And we've had an opportunity to talk about a lot of uh, really difficult subjects these last few weeks. Um, Last week we started uh, talking about uh, sexual brokenness in terms of sexual orientation. And this week we said we were going to continue down the road of sexual identity or of gender identity. And so we are going to journey into that today. And I just want to give you a heads up. Um, Last week was difficult. This week is just that much harder. (laughs) And uh, the reason being is that this dives into a lot more areas than just biblical or theological areas, that it also enters into historical cultures such as the Greco-Roman culture. It, uh, It enters into psychology and psychology and sociology and biology and genetics, gender theory, cultural exegesis. And so with all of those things in mind, We've asked Andrea to join us again. Here I am. Um, and it's like we said, Andrea's been uh, studying this for months, and I have been studying this for weeks, and it is, uh, it's, it's tough. It's hard. And so if you've got notes with you, uh, you might want to mark some things and come back to it later. Uh, the talk will be online. Um, but it's not just this morning. We have some other resources, right? Right, because this isn't the, ble- the best place platform to be talking about these issues. So we are having a class called Grace Truth 1.0, which will be on five Tuesdays beginning October 19th from 6.30 to 8 p.m. And child care is p- provided. So if you want to be a part of that class, you can register at becomehope.com backslash events to sign up for that. Um, And really, if these issues are, you know, if you're facing them in your your daily life, you know, through work or through relationships you have, and you just want to dig deeper and understand more about these topics and conversations, then we have a resource page on becomehope.com LGBT that there's a bunch of things that you can go to, podcasts, websites, books, and um, e-courses, e-courses that I've gone through in the last several months. Um, and then we also have our Let's Find Out podcast, which, um, again, you'll be missing Mandy's, Randy's uh, smooth, resonant voice, and you'll hear my nasally one instead for this week. But, um, but that, too, we're going to be talking about some of the different areas, going a little deeper, because um, that might be a little bit better platform than this one, but there's lots of resources available, so um, we encourage you to check those out. Absolutely. And <clears throat> we want to take a quick moment um, that as we enter into this discussion again, we want to um, exhibit the utmost care, sensitivity around this, because this is not just a political issue or ideology in our culture. This is actual people that we're talking about. And so we want to be careful, honor, respect um, uh, one another in this. And so 
just to define a few terms, because we're going to mention some things that if we have not entered into these terms and understanding, uh, it, it can get confusing really quick. And so last week was sexual orientation. That's the LGB portion of, of the little list of letters that we see in our culture to get today, the lesbian, bi gay, and bisexual. And that's a perception of how someone views another person, their attraction to another person. And um, the other letters that we see in that acronym throughout our culture um, begins with T, um, which stands for trans or transgender, uh, which is essentially a super wide term that people define completely different depending on their context and their situation. Even, even trans people define it differently among their own communities. Um, but essentially, at the broadest, broadest view is that um, it's someone who does not feel at home within their biological sex, that they feel that their gender is expressed in a different way um, other than what their biology says. And that would be trans, uh, transgender. One of the other letters is I, which stands for intersex. We're not gonna go into that a whole lot today, uh, but it's essentially, uh, there is a small portion of our population who are born with uh, genetic differences, that they exhibit both male and female biology um, within their bodies. Um, one of the things that we can see uh, scientifically is that about 98, 99% of intersex individuals still have a dominant sex, and it's only a small portion of blending of male and female in their bodies. There's only a very small percentage of those who are intersex who are truly ambiguous in their dominant sex. And um, you hear that argument a lot in our culture as being something that um, proves there's a third gender, um, but what we see is that it's really just a blending of two genders, not a complete different one. And so one of the things that we will talk a little bit more about is the terms gender and sex. Um, when we talk about sex, we are talking about the biology of our bodies, that we are biologically sexed individuals. And we add the ED on the end of sex as we are sexed, meaning we have been um, assigned or given um, a sex through our biology. And so you'll hear that terminology uh, coming out as well. Um, one of the other terms is binary versus non-binary. Um, binary by definition is just two options. Um, a one and a zero, a one, you know, one and two. It's just two options. And so um, someone who believes they are binary believes in male and female as the only two genders. Someone who is non-binary believes that there is uh, the door open to multiple genders, whether that's three, four, or more, um, that gender can be fluid in that. Um, so when you hear the term non-binary or binary, that's what we're talking about. Um, within gender identity, there are some individuals who experience what is called gender dysphoria. Um, dysphoria is an actual um, medical condition. It's a mental stress brought on by the feeling of incongruence between their biological sex and their expressed gender identity. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about the tension between those things. But um, these are people who don't feel at home in their own body, and that creates an, an incredible amount of, of, of stress within their lives, and it is expressed in emotional and mental um, issues and stress and uh, depression and every, you know a whole range of, of things beyond that. Um, and then um, there's a huge conversation around pronouns. 
of uh, pronoun usage, whether or not um, you should use or not use someone's preferred pronouns. And for those of you who aren't familiar with that, um, if you're online and you see someone's name displayed online and it says Jason Kemp, parentheses, he slash him, close parentheses, they are saying these are my preferred pronouns. And there are people who prefer to uh, have pronouns that are different from their biological sex. Um, and as difficult and nuanced as our conversation is today, this is a whole other conversation that there is really not a clean right or wrong answer in that when we consider uh, grace and truth in someone's life. Um, for example, one of the stories that I heard in the podcast that are listed online, um, a young lady who was raised in a culture that was destructive and terribly negative toward females. And she grew up that if you use the word she or her or girl, that was a curse word to her. And so anytime someone used that pronoun with her, she felt violated. She felt demeaned because of the culture and the family that she grew up in. And so the situations aren't clear. And so that's why our, our big idea is to you know, spend time with people. Get to know them, be patient, listen, love, be present with them, understand their stories because there's not a clean answer one way or another sometimes. Right. And while I don't think these experiences are um, new, these experiences of gender incongruence and confusion, um, because the Bible says in Ecclesiastes that there's nothing new under the sun. However, this ideology of the separation of biological sex from gender identity has been growing over the last 40 years. And even uh, in the last five or so years, there's been a lot of attention and awareness around um, around these issues and it can feel like culture is changing so so fast especially with the internet and social media that we're all just trying to keep up and and just figure out what is going on but the good news is that what hasn't changed ever is God's eternal truth, his design and his purpose for our sexuality, as well as how to engage people who struggle with these issues and experiences. Um, so Jesus lived out, we talked about this last week, Jesus lived out radical grace and love while holding to a high, high standard of obedience and truth. And so as we talk about how to think about these issues, how to engage with people, let's remember that we need to imitate imitate Jesus by holding on to God's truth in our beliefs and with a posture of humility and gentleness while also loving and showing compassion to others just like Jesus did in words and actions. So and again going back like remember that we're all broken. We all fall short of living out God's perfect image in us. And that includes in our sexuality and even how we express our gender. So, um, you know, we got to remember that God in his mercy shows us his love, his grace, his compassion, and he expects his people to extend that same grace, love, and compassion to others. And so our big idea again for this week is when it comes to sexual brokenness, we need to love, listen, and be present with people. I was ex uh, confronted with a very explicit experience on Friday as we're preparing for this, talking about stereotypes and how we, you know, 
respond in our culture sometimes. That I was over at Speedway, just over here at Morgantown in Smith Valley, getting my diet Dr. Pepper for the day, and um, I'm four or five people back in line, and this uh, older gentleman comes up behind me and kind of grabs onto my elbow and is leaning in to speak to my ear, and it was one startling uh, because you know social distance. I mean, come on. Um, <laughs> but he leans over into my ear and says. There's a fairy in front of you. I looked in front, and there's a lady in scrubs, clearly getting her Dr. Pepper of the day. And I just, I kind of turned back toward the gentleman. I, I didn't understand. And he reiterates and says a couple other things that are not even as nice as that. And so I kind of, I look, and sure enough, up at the front of the line is a young man who looks nothing like probably any one of us in this room. And... Here is a gentleman who is degrading and going on to whisper in my ear about how if this was his son, he would blah, 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 and used a few choice words, and I would not treat my kids like that. And I was blown away that right here in the gas station in our own neighborhood is a great example of what it means to live completely unlike Jesus of not taking the time to love, to listen, and to be present with that young man. We make snap judgments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and again, it's remembering that these topics and conversations are ultimately about people. So relationships are so, so key. And like Jason said, making quick judgments or assuming things about people without taking the time to first listen to them and then showing love and compassion to them um, is not living like and loving like Jesus. And we said last week that um, taking a posture of humility and willingly extending that grace and love to others is our job, that it's the Holy Spirit's job to change hearts and minds and draw people into a relationship with Jesus. It's the kindness, you know, Christy and Stephanie were talking about kindness. It's the kindness of God that turns people from their sin. And we all have heard that phrase, people aren't going to care how much you know unless they know how much you care. So as we interact with people, um, we need to allow that to flow. How we interact with people needs to flow from our relationship with them. Um, and again, like Jason said, all transgender people are different. They have different experiences and different stories. And so how you relate to one transgender person may be completely different than how you relate to another trans person. And you need to take into consideration that level in the context of the relationship with that person to determine how to best interact with them and love that person well. So for example, how you treat a trans person in your workplace may look very different from how you treat a transgender person in your family. And even with that person in your family, you may treat them different based on whether they're an adult or whether they're a child or a teenager. And honestly, you need to take into consideration your own beliefs and convictions, um, that we should never marginalize or treat people poorly because they don't agree with our convictions and our beliefs. Um, but we can, with gentleness and love and respect through relationship, talk about how we feel and how we struggle to understand and relate while also living, listening to their stories and honoring them in that. And we often marginalize and treat others poorly because we tend to fear what we don't understand. 
that when we don't understand someone, when we haven't had time to really understand their joint journey, we, we fear it because it, it doesn't line up with our own perspective. But in 1 John 4, verses 18 and 19, it says that there is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he, Jesus, first loved us. Isn't that beautiful? That Jesus loved us so that we can love others. So that's grace. But as we lean into truth as well, and we say we're going to follow scripture wherever it leads, how, where, where does the Bible take us when we consider just that binary gender, that there's male, female, or are there other genders um, described in the Bible? Right. So when we look at scripture, we see that scripture leads us to understand that God created just two genders, male and female. There are no other genders in God's plan. So when we look at the definition of what gender is, um, there's a book by, and I can't remember, I think it's Mark Yarhouse, and he explained gender in these terms, that gender is the psychological, social, and cultural aspect of being male or female. So when we look to scripture, we see that God and his purposes are actually focused more on our difference in our biological sex, not actually on gender identity or gender roles. And maybe because of that, we don't see God talking much about gender roles and gender expression, um, except when people are using their ways in a body or using their bodies in ways that confuse those distinctions between the sexes and God's purposes for those differences. So we see that our body is a very important part of our identity as humans, and our bodies actually make visible the people that we are. Through our bodies, we express our personhood. We express our beliefs and our convictions and our thoughts. We express our feelings and our emotions. We express ourselves through our words and our actions. And God's word communicates the sacredness of our bodies, that whether we're male or female. And when you think about that, that's actually very powerful and progressive. Um, so when God created humans, he made us his image bearers. And Jason, Randy, and Zach have been talking about that for weeks and, again, that just means that God created us to reflect something about himself, his nature, and his character to the rest of creation. So in God's perfect creation, the qualities that characterize humankind actually should mirror God's qualities. And so we're going to go back to Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27, to kind of see what God says um, at the very beginning of creation. He says, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So we see that when God created humans, he chose to make them male and female. He could have created sexless human beings to reflect his image, but he didn't. So, um, you know, he, he, he chose to create two sexes, male and female, again, equal in their humanness, but different in their sex. And they each equally, but differently reflect God within creation. And that's our, our foundational understanding of um, God's plan for our gender as humans, that he created the gender binary, and it's important 
for humankind to fulfill the purposes that he gave us. To one, reflect his image to the rest of creation. To be fruitful and multiply and then to subdue and govern the earth. So what about the rest of the Bible? Does the rest of the Bible keep um, this God's creation of a gender binary consistent through scripture? Um, and we see that Jesus affirms the gender binary in Matthew 19, 4 and 5 when he says, The scriptures record that from the beginning God made them male and female, period. So we can see that God's original creation of humans as male and female is not only normal, but it's relevant beyond just that creation event. And we also see in other passages in the Bible that whenever Scripture mentions crossing gender boundaries or behaviors or publicly presenting oneself as the opposite sex, it speaks negatively. So we looked at Romans 1 last week, and from that passage we see that it's wrong to cross gender boundaries and distinctions and sexual roles and Paul writes a couple times in 1 Corinthians um, about not confusing gender distinctions and to appropriately reflect God's created order but again this isn't the best place to dive into those scripture passages and just just kind of define how we're going to interpret them so if you want to explore those aspects of this conversation then I would highly recommend Dr. Preston Sprinkle's book Embodied it would be a great resource for you not just on you know how the Bible speaks about these issues but also about all aspects of this conversation but from what I've learned and understand there is no other gender in addition to what God created at the beginning male and female and when he created male and female what did God say about that he declared that it was very good and we even see um, that Jesus taking on a sexed body a male body that he affirms that our sexed bodies are good and we see um, through Jesus's resurrection body still male that sex difference probably remains after the resurrection of our bodies because it's an important part of who we are our personhood and so scripture affirms the significance of our sexed bodies male or female to our identities as humans and image bearers of God. Our bodies are sacred. And just like we said last week that marriage is a foreshadowing of the kingdom of God to come, so our bodies, our gender, our, our biological sex is a picture of who God is in creation, that we reflect the image of God through uniquely male and female perspectives. And so our culture, though, wants to pull that biological sex and that gender apart, that if we can separate it, then we can have a, a difference between the two. What does the Bible say about how our biological sex and our gender are connected? Well, again, when we look to the Bible, we see that God designed our biological sex and our gender identity to be integrated. So our sex bodies, again, are an important part of our identity, and our gender is just the expression and how we experience our sexed bodies. So we need to remember that God assigned us the bodies that he's given us. And he gave us these particular bodies for his purposes. You know, one of the verses I always, I talk a lot about in student ministry is found in Ephesians 2. And after God um, 
basically shows us that he is the one that has given us saving faith in Jesus in verses 8 and 9. He goes on in verse 10 to say that we are God's masterpiece, that he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good works that he prepared in advance for us to do. And you know, God made us exactly the way he wanted and that includes which body he's assigned to us. And so the way he created us was for his purpose. And that's to do these good works that he created us to do using the bodies he's given us so that we, we can reflect him to the rest of creation. So again, our biological sex is very, very important um, to who God created us to be. And Paul mentions in several of his writings, in 1 Corinthians and Romans in particular, that our bodies were made to worship the Lord, that we're to offer our bodies as living sacrifices to him and his purposes. So we see that God cares about our bodies, that he considers our bodies sacred because they are temples of his Holy Spirit within us. And even in Paul's day, we think this is new, but it's really not. Even in Paul's day, there were people who were wanting to separate different parts of who we are um, so that we could prioritize certain parts over other parts. So people would say that our bodies are bad and only our spirits are good. But we see that God is a God of unity and oneness. And he created each of us to be a unified unified person and who we are in our identity and our personhood, calling us to love him and and not just with one part of ourselves, but with all of ourselves, body, soul, mind, and spirit. We see this in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength, which strength is our physical body. And Jesus reinforced this command from God in a conversation that we can find in Luke 10. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. So we see that our bodies being male or female are an important part of who we are as a person. They connect us to the reality of who God has created us to be and they're the visible expression of who we are as people um, visible expression of our identity and who God created us as his image bearers. So one of the big questions that we see and hear a lot in this transgender conversation is, um, you know, if someone experiences this incongruence or this just not fitting together of their biological sex and their internal sense of self, then which one actually determines their identity, how they, who they are and, and why is that? You know, which, why do we choose that one over another one? And I'm just going to straight up quote Dr. Sprinkle here because he says it best. And I think he uh, answers the question well, but he also answers it in a way that speaks to how we engage with people who experience this incongruence between their sex and gender. So he says, the Bible and science offer much more evidence to support the view that our biological sex determines who we are. Our sexed bodies determine whether we are male, female, or both, and that speaks to that intersex condition. Um, and our embodiment is an essential part of how we image God in the world. However, we should never downplay the significance of a person's experiences or their internal sense of who they are. Experiences might not define who we are ontologically, which is just a word that refers to kind of the concepts of reality and um, 
you know, our, our being and our existence. So he says that these experiences, though, are nonetheless very real and significant. We can get the Bible right, but if we get love wrong, we're wrong. Well, I lost my train of thought because that last line <laughs> yeah. was so good. Ooh. If you didn't hear it, let's just read it again while I figure out what my thought was. Um, we can get the Bible right, but if we get love wrong, we're wrong. Mm-hmm. That's, that's true. And a lot of the discussion around transgender um, brings in the language of stereotypes very often, that gender stereotypes, this and that. Um, and gender stereotypes are not necessarily from the Bible. So how do these things relate in this conversation where truth and grace is concerned? Okay. Yeah. uh, When you look at the Bible, again, a biblical expression of gender in alignment with one sex body actually gives a lot, a lot of freedom and diversity in that expression. So this is really, really, really important to understand because while some transgender people um, struggle with gender dysphoria, that that sense of not feeling like that their identity matches with their body. Some people experience that, but other trans don't experience that. With, where they feel that incongruence, that just uncomfortableness, uh, has to do more with that they don't fit within an expected gender stereotype or expression or expectations or roles. And so a so an example, a biological female may not feel led to wear, like she doesn't like wearing dresses, she doesn't like playing dolls, uh, with dolls, she doesn't like to talk about her feelings and get together with other girls and talk about boys. And um, instead, she may prefer to wear jeans and a hoodie. She may like to play sports. She may like to hang out with guys and play video games. And on the flip side, a biological male may hate sports. I know plenty. My kids hate sports, some of them. Um, and they, they don't like to eat, you know, uh, steak and potatoes. They'd rather, you know, instead of watching a football game, they'd rather dance and sing and do something in the arts. Like these are all stereotypes where they just don't fit. And therefore they have a hard time connecting to or identifying with their gender to the point of experiencing those uh, differing levels of stress and anxiety in those situations. So it's really important to understand the truth that most gender stereotypes come from culture, not from the Bible. Now, cultural stereotypes may fit those natural desires and patterns that we see in many or most males and females, but it definitely doesn't fit with all males and all females. So um, take me for an example. Uh, I was a tomboy growing up. I'd rather play sports and hang out with guys. Um, And I don't like talking about my feelings. If you never see me at a women's retreat or if you never really see me at a women's retreat, it's because I really don't like them. I'm really uncomfortable at them because it's very, yeah, it's just not my my cup of tea. Um, And I don't even drink tea. Um, And, you know, like if I have the choice to wear a hoodie and jeans over normal women's clothing, I'm going to wear a a hoodie and jeans. And I actually almost wore a hoodie this morning. I was like, nope, I'm pushing it a little too much if I wear that with what I'm talking about. Um, But other people may look at me and see, think like they may judge me and say, well, you need to act or look more like a woman and um, judge me according to stereotypes where, you know, I don't feel that, that I need to do anything different to be more of a woman. But in today's world, somebody may judge me that I don't act like a normal woman. Um, Or even in today's world, people may look at me and say, well, she's not a normal woman. She must be a man or be something other. So we need to be really careful with stereotypes 
stereotypes because, again, stereotypes describe how many men and women act, but the Bible never prescribes stereotypes for all people. In fact, the Bible gives very little directive on how to be a man or a woman beyond the ways that God Um, that God has given us our bodies as male and female and that our God-given purposes, um, you know, how they relate to being male or female. So instead of commanding men to be more masculine or women to be more feminine, God commands us to be more holy and more godly. And in fact, in the New Testament, um, most of the commands that God gives in the New Testament applies to all believers, and it doesn't even consider sex differences, male or female. So the Bible actually frees us to be who God created us to be as men and women, boys and girls, calling us to ground our identity not in our gender or our biological sex, but in Jesus Christ and to live out um, who he created us to be as his image bearers. You know, and I kind of think that that's the hidden irony in this transgender conversation is that when you remove the importance of the body and helping us to define our gender identity, the only thing you can build your gender identity on is stereotypes without the body, you know? So um, how do you know if your inner sense of self is male or female without the body? You look to gender stereotypes to see what you identify with or what you don't identify with. And ultimately that just feeds and grows grows these gender stereotypes and they're very narrow and regressive rather than being diverse and progressive. So again, grounding our identity in Jesus and using the bodies that God has given us to live out our identity is where we're going to find freedom um, to be who God created us to be. We see these stereotypes displayed in our culture and our lives so very often. I mean, when uh, a number of years ago when Donna and I were in youth ministry, um, we had a, a young gal who pierced her own belly button. Uh, it's a story for another day. Um, but she began to wear shirts that would display her handiwork. And we had a wonderfully sweet lady at church pull Donna and I aside one day saying, she has got to clean up her act before she ever comes back to church. And we're like, oh my goodness, this is not, this is why, why she needs to be in church is so that we can love on her and teach her truth. We can't push her away from the church. And so these stereotypes crash in around us all the time. And um, often we think in our culture that uh, this is what our stereotypes look like, that there's a distinct male and there's a distinct female, and that men and women should be doing specific things. But yet we have this contradiction in our culture that when it comes to careers in the workplace, men and women should be allowed to do the exact same thing. And, you know, and so we've got this contradicting narrative even in our culture about these gender stereotypes. Um, that for example, you can, you can see a very manly looking fellow with beard and you know, he's wearing a skirt, but then you realize, oh, he is from a Celtic culture and he's throwing a 40 foot caber uh, telephone pole across an open field. Gender stereotypes change over time from culture to culture and it's not clearly male female and we can cross the line a little bit and do you know you can take on that career but really you know you need to come back across the line no it's not how it looks that when we are made in the image of God our gender probably looks a little bit more like this that there are some very specific things in scripture of our gender differences of our biological sex differences. For example, uh, men, um, by a show of hands, how many of you have ever been pregnant? Exactly. 
So there are some very specific things that are specific to men and women, to male and female. But yet in the midst of that spectrum, the expression of who we are as an individual is vast. And when we are expressing our personality, our talents, our gifts, our talents, our strengths, that's God's image in us being lived out through us as we are a witness, as we are going into our world just like Jesus. That there are some very specific lines on on the outside of the spectrum that God says, definitely don't cross those. But in the middle, there's freedom. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, Another thing we need to think about when we're um, trying to apply this to our everyday life is that we need to beware of destructive ideologies. You know, most people who identify as trans are not actively involved in promoting and spreading transgender ideology. Um, And even some trans people disagree with transgender ideology and see it as harmful and destructive to people. Um, But there are definitely people out there who are pushing unchristian and unhealthy ideologies that seek to deconstruct you know, this is like a big concept in our culture today. They're trying to deconstruct the basic truths of what it means to be a man and a woman. And there are businesses and medical institutions, even governmental and educational institutions that are, you know, supporting these destructive ideologies and pushing their own um, agendas and doing this for their own purposes. So there are plenty of organizations, businesses, and institutions that are making money off of uh, people who are struggling with their gender identity, particularly young people. We're seeing this a lot in young people um, who are buying into this ideology and they just don't understand the consequences of how harmful this can be to who they are. And then also having medical interventions pushed on them and they don't understand like the long-term consequences those can have. So while we can and must love and care for people, we also have to resist these destructive and unbiblical ideologies. So again, it's that holding on to God's truth against these ideologies and beliefs while also living and loving people like Jesus. So we want to encourage you to continue the conversation. Um, you can certainly jump online uh, to becomehope.com LGBT. Um, there's tons of podcasts, um, stories like one that I mentioned earlier, um, uh, people who are struggling with same-sex attraction but are living um, celibate, single lives, um, yet honoring God, um, you know, people who have gone through trans, who have gone through those, um, the dysphoria, who have come out the other side, some who are still struggling with it. You get to hear those stories interviewed in those podcasts, um, books that dive deep into the theology, into a lot of the things that we've talked about today. We really encourage you uh, just to continue that conversation in your own life. Um, we're going to have the Grace and Truth class coming up um, here in a few weeks. Um, we'll be offering that again. Um, this is not a one-time and done kind of deal. Uh, Grace and Truth 1.0 will be offered again after the new year. Um, and then we'll do, uh, there's a follow-up class 2.0. Um, that we'll do a couple times as well next year. Um, but a lot of resources. And again, our, you know, feel free to contact Andrea or I. We'd love to talk with you a little bit further on this, um, help you process things in your own lives, because um, we realize that you know, this is, these are issues that confront us each and every day, whether that's someone in our workplace, someone in our family, someone we know, um, some guy coming up in the gas station, um, or maybe it's something that one of us in this very room 
are struggling with as well. Uh, we would love to continue this conversation because God loves you and uh, he wants us to live into the identities that he's given us. And so as we close, we just want to remind each one of us that the focus is on people. It's about their stories, about grace and truth in their lives, of how Jesus is made known through them. And so our big idea, once again, is when it comes down to it, when it comes to sexual brokenness, we can love, we can listen, we can be present with people. We can spend time hearing their story, and we can, we can honestly... I feel like after the study that I've done these last few weeks, I can honestly sit across the table from someone and say, I don't get it, I, and I may never understand your journey, but I will journey with you. I will journey with you. And we can love, we can share grace, we can share truth in the midst of those relationships. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.